the most famous library of classical antiquity. Today, we discuss the Library of Alexandria. You're listening to Casual History. Hello, hello, Jacob. Yes. Welcome back to Casual History. It's Thank been you, a Jeffrey. I, I see you have your radio announcer voice on. I, like I it. do. I've been preparing. <laughs> it is go time over here. It is go time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a little bit longer than usual, but that's okay. This is going to be extra good. I know it. Yep. We're going to put some extra love on this one. Um, That's right. It has been a minute. I do just want to mention why work, life, um, conflicts happened. Nothing to do with um, anything other than that. Just things got in the way. We tried to make time. We always normally have a lot of time. And every time we would find that time, something would come up that we (laughs) couldn't get out of. And yes. it just kept piling up and led to a week and a half without a podcast. So yep. I do apologize, but Jacob, we're back and we're ready. That's right. We're back and better than ever. We are better than ever because <laughs> we, we've we been training. You know those training montages that happen? Yeah, just picture an 80s like, training video right now yeah. in your head. <laughs> Except all of, the, all of the, uh, the exercises are like tongue twisters and um how fast can you click that record button you know i was about to say i was like me practicing (laughs) clicking the record button over and over and over exactly first off before i do anything and again if i'm too excited jacob calm me down but i'm ready too excited is there what okay (laughs) why would you be too excited jeffrey come on well you know if i get too amped up you gotta Who doesn't get excited about history, Jeffrey? That's what this podcast is all about. That's right. But I'm also excited (laughs) about Discord. Ah, yeah. That's right. We have a brand new Discord for those who don't know. We can formally announce it now. Yeah. Uh, We have a casual history Discord. And, uh, you know, kind of treating it as like our website and our main hub and a really quick way to be able to talk with you guys, add new things, create discussion boards. Uh, I really love it. I thought it was a brilliant idea. Jeffrey thought it up uh, last week sometime, and uh, I'm all in, man. Yeah, it's been fun. We we just created it. We don't have any... I think we have one person in there who's awesome, um, yes. but mainly because we haven't announced it. We haven't done anything with it because we wanted to announce it on a podcast. We, we did post it around, but um, anyway, if you want the link to that Discord, essentially what Jacob already said, that's why we're doing it. And then also um, one little cool piece there is we really just want to have a community community of people who can talk amongst themselves as well. You know, I feel like most people who listen to a podcast, at least for myself, if I have a thought about a podcast I just heard of, right? Typically in YouTube, you have the comment section, you kind of go find some discussions on the subject they were talking about. Um, but majority you don't, right? Like outside of the Instagram or the whatever the community they've tried to create, um, there's kind of a hole there. And I know discord has been the the new way for some podcasters and creating communities. I felt like it Mm -hmm. felt like it worked perfectly for what we do and what we discuss. So, um, it's under casual history. You're going to find it at our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We will repost that, um, 
right as we post this podcast. Um, but yeah, come join. It's a small little group uh, that we're hoping to just keep uh, growing. Yeah, if you have a question about this podcast or any of the previous ones, just reach out to us on there and we'll gladly talk to you guys and uh, figure yeah. out new episode ideas. Fact check us, you know? That's right, fact Great. check us. Oh God, <laughs> we may have opened Pandora's box there. <laughs> we actually did no get a fact, fact check us. with, um, by the way, I, I feel like this is an honorable mention. Um, sure. We, uh, we did have a voice m- message from a dutiful fan um, on mm. our anchor profile that <laughs> kind of was a little bit irritated um, Wait, because what? Billy the Kid, he said Billy the Kid was born in New York, not New Mexico, and he wanted to, really? that to be known. So oh. I am setting the record straight, friend. Um, yes, we, we're, we're helping. We're fixing right now. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, fix it for you. but that's part of it, right? There's going to be, you know, we're, we're, we've been working this out. So fact check us on a discord. <laughs> Yes, please. More trolls for Jeffrey, honestly, but for both of us. But that is not why we are here today. No, Um, it is not. Maybe an extra long intro for today, but um, we are going to be talking about the Library of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The mysterious, elusive, um, at least for me. Okay, I (laughs) want to preface this too as well. (laughs) Tell me to stop prefacing things. Um, No. I, I, when I first heard of the Library of Alexandria, it existed as a figment myth of smoke in my mind. It 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 represented uh, the ancient, you know, my fascination with um, ancient high civilizations that could have been right. Yeah, <laughs> when I and think philosophers of, and stuff that yeah. like that you are very interested in. So yeah. I I get that. When when this name comes up, and I've I've had it as a just growing up when I first heard about it, I was like, wait. They tried to assemble the biggest library with all the world's knowledge and we lost it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It got destroyed. Think of what we lost, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, again, I, t- I think I saw a article or a Facebook article um, and it went, wait a minute, this is perfect. This is yeah. something we should talk about. Do you have any yeah. uh, sense of what, you know, the library or, um, you know, previous knowledge? I, I do. I did some quick quick research on it, and I already know, like, because I, I am the same as you. Um, when I first think of the Library of Alexandria, I think of something that got destroyed in a very horrific manner, and, like, you know, it was a devastating loss. And when you find out the reality of what happened, because I do believe people do know, um, it's very interesting and different than what I expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, and part of that we can get into today, I have it mm-hmm. kind of segmented out where I can read some cool excerpts of it. Um, I do have some fun facts that I thought would be interesting just to kind of jump into, um, and yeah. then kind of dive into it just because I'm a nerd. Uh, <laughs> and the fun facts, um, kind of caught my eye when I started reading and doing research, you know, those articles that would say the top 10 facts you didn't know about blank. Um, yeah, I kind of got swindled in. You know, and I gave him ad dude, revenue. Dude, hit me with it. I love him. <laughs> so, fun fact. Um, the Library of Alexandria, right, uh, just a general uh, preface for those who don't know, is essentially um, a collective of books and, and scrolls that were accumulated over a period of time for the purpose of just, uh, it's it kind of started at the point where knowledge started to really be powerful and 
that idea of, uh, you know, in a society being um, wealthy in knowledge was like really high in the priority list. And so this became like a, almost a status thing. And anyway, um, but a fun fact about the library is that, do you know who Euclid is, Jacob? I'm going to say that wrong, but that's how it pronounced it on Google. No, I don't. So he's supposedly, or is re- often referred to as the father of geometry. Oh. He was a known person who visited the library and studied at the Library of Alexandria, um, which I thought was pretty dang awesome, right? Like, Yeah, that is awesome. The father of geometry, and he has all these other accolades, essentially, but um, one of those figures that, you know, you think about, again, we can discuss this later on, but what could have been if this um, stayed with us? through time sure um because like people like this came out of that library and and had information and knowledge and were able to assemble thoughts greater than themselves and it kind of makes me sad um yeah more than that like world famous philosophers and stuff have come out of this as well as i don't know if this is some partial memory that i have of um some sort of episode on history channel or something but is is this also connected to da vinci am i crazy um, I have no clue. I don't think I can answer that. I maybe I haven't. Okay. I don't know if there's any connection or not. I think I have like a partial memory of, um, maybe it was just like them theorizing that like some of Da Vinci's, um, forgotten inventions might've been in the library of Alexandria. Does that time um, frame match up? Maybe it does. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, I, I'm I, not we can sure. Get into it. We can get into it. Maybe th- some of these, yeah. these facts will enlighten both of us. Um, yeah. But another cool fact was um, scholars who worked at the library, I didn't know this either, that it was like an actual um, like facility, basically were paid by the pharaoh, had free meals, accommodations, and servants, so they were able to focus only on research. Um, okay, so, just, so like a resort, but for your mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you were a... All-inclusive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> another cool thing, I guess, I don't know if this is cool, Again, they would ransack a boat. So, like, let's say a, a ship came into the harbor of, of Alexandria. The, uh, basically, okay. they would scour the ship and would search for um, books, scrolls, and take take them, pay for them, barter for them, whatever. They would collect from all over. So, again, the idea was people who would come in and out, right, the port, trading, doing, uh, you know, money for work jobs, whatever it was, came yeah. from all over the world in different parts of the world and they would take their books and, and put them in the library. Wow. An easy way not to travel, but also still get, um, writings from all over the globe, Yep, which is incredible. Yeah. Just kind of another method to add to the, to the um, collection. Um, another cool fact is, uh, a certain, at a certain point, a daughter library. So like a side library had to be established. So outside of the main library, um, mm-hmm. And it was built in the, uh, again, I'm going to say this wrong, but Serapium, a temple of the god of Serapis, in order to be able to house all the books. So they created like a um, a little mini library of Alexandria. To so, so the extend. original got too full and they were like, we have to add a location? <laughs> yeah. Like it, we need a second location. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to just keep going down the fun facts and we could probably do this all day before I kind of jump in. But dude, there's no, really sure. cool. Archimedes. Man, Archimedes. Yeah. 
famous Archimedes, <laughs> famous for his Archimedes principle, um, a law of displacement, which we had all had to learn during our school years, at least yes. most of us, oh, God, visited the, the library of Alexandria. Um, wow. It's said that Archimedes noticed the need of nearby farmers to deliver water from Nile to higher plateaus. Um, and supposedly he solved a problem by inventing the Archimedes screw, an invent- invention oh. that's still used today. Right, to uh, to push up water yeah. through pipes? Yeah. That's in- I know exactly what invention you're talking about. But that's amazing. Of, think about that, Jacob. Think about that. That was yeah. happening back then. Imagine if this knowledge base was continuing to grow as humanity grew think about how much farther we would be um we'll see now jeffrey think about this um how similar again not to get too far into this tangent but like this is we got all the time basically the internet before the internet right like if you have a library big enough from all over the world you're basically collecting all the world's information at at your fingertips like kind of like we have now yeah in the modern age uh, but at that time, which is revolutionary, and for people that are looking to study very far off things and, you know, similar Find uh, patterns. Yeah, find patterns in seasons and how to grow your crops, you know, and maybe yeah, find... Yeah, this is not... This is not the time where you can, you know, uh, just go anywhere you want, travel everywhere, uh, and also get all the information like we do now. Like, we're spoiled. Yeah, we've been we've been over a few of those podcasts where, you know, plagues were not something that just happened now like the plagues were a bit more rampant back then so i feel like traveling during this type of era would be extremely again maybe i'm ignorant i am ignorant here but <laughs> that's yeah. one factor well, you can't we pick up the about. phone and call your buddy in another country to ask him how they do things down there you know what i mean like you yeah. have to go physically to that place or know somebody who has been like it it just changes the method and how fast information gets around yeah so the fact that they're they were trying to accumulate um as many like resources together from across the world is incredible and what a knowledge base like exactly if you're looking to solve a problem that would be the way to to do it the place to do it here's where it kind of cuts off as well so you know archimedes friend he had a friend um named Eratosothenus, um, he was basically the head of the Library of Alexandria. And so like Mm -hmm. Archimedes, this guy was also considered a genius at the time. Um, And he was nicknamed the father of geography um, because he accurately Mm -hmm. calculated the circumference of the earth and distance between earth and sun, all in 240 BC. Wow. Yeah, so... Jesus. Like, again, they attribute it, I attribute it, at least some of these articles I've read about this, attribute it to, of course, the library itself, right? You have a lot more things to go off of than just, you know, your own little tribal knowledge. Um, but essentially, he calculated, right, that the planet to be um, 24,650 miles around, which is so close to the real number that we know accurately with, you know, satellites, Um it's mm-hmm. 24,900. So just a, a few off. But wow. he did this with, like, what are you doing that on? You know, how, how is he calculating that? Think about, think about the draw, right? Like, you're talking about, like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like, it's not surprising yeah. that the world's greatest minds ended up there uh, together, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah. if you had a, you know, a world of knowledge in one area, that would attract you know, geniuses and 
people that are looking to solve problems like flies. Like a hundred percent. So it's very shocking and also not shocking that all these people uh, were a part of it and uh, used it somehow, which is incredible. Yeah, and another fun thing before I can kind of get to more of the nitty gritty, but another thing that they attribute to the father of geography is that he predicted a leap year of 366 days every fourth year, and he started using parallels and meridians. Um, additionally, he invented a mathematical method of finding of prime numbers. <laughs> method is called wow. right the sieve of uh, his name. I'm not going to pronounce it, um, but he had come across. Uh, he had access to enormous knowledge, right? Because he was the head of the, the library of Alexandria, which helped him in this research. So, right. It again, it goes on to read a little bit more on some of this. This one article that was a bit more about him, about how the destruction was a huge loss, obviously, um, and significantly slowed down the progress of humanity. Um, because, for example, the librarian knew the sun and, um, and not the earth was the center of the solar system. They knew that the earth was right. round, but it took another thousand years and other geniuses such like Galileo, for example, um, yes. to um, basically discover the truth again, like rediscover what we already knew. So mm-hmm. it just... You know, it's kind of heartbreaking, but you know, hey, we're here. We're talking through the internet on our podcast on microphones. Right, so we're exactly. probably doing okay, but you know, still, you never know. We could have had yeah, flying cars to, by now. Right. But able to Google anything and have any question and like ninety nine percent of the time you're gonna get an answer. Yeah. Um Why doesn't she love me, Jacob? I don't know if you're gonna huh? <laughs> What'd you say? Why doesn't she love me? I don't know if they're gonna... <laughs> Wait, are you, are you looking this up on Google right no, now? No, <laughs> you said 99% of the time you're gonna get an answer, and I said, well, you never know. You know, there's gonna be that 1% that's always gonna be there. It was a bad joke. Of course. It's a bad joke. Of course. It isn't a bad joke. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it. So we can kind of start jumping into a little bit more about it, just maybe a little bit more about the history of it, and then uh, maybe a little talk more about the, the fall and kind of when it ended up happening to it. Um, but yeah. those are some fun information pieces that I definitely wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, but the libraries and archives were known at the time um, to many ancient civilizations in Egypt, Mesopotamia, Syria, um, and Greece. But the earliest such institutions, so like before the library, were of only local and regional nature. So they were, again, just concerned with the conservation of their own particular traditions or heritage. Um, so the idea that Alexandria represented as the universal library um, arose only after the Greek mind had begun to um, envision a larger worldview. And so the Greeks were impressed right. by the achievement, achievements of their neighbors and many Greek intellectuals, in quotes, um, sought to explore the resources of their knowledge and there is a literary there is literary evidence of Greek individuals visiting Egypt, um, especially to acquire knowledge, such as again you already mentioned this, but like the great minds of the time, like when this existed. So people like Herodotus, who we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, uh, Plato, um, those were a few of note um, that I definitely thought were interesting um, that visited oh, this yeah. library. So it feels like some of the great minds that we always think about during this time were influenced obviously by this uh, information dump of a library. And um, it makes me uh, want to say, 
stay in school kids and go to that library <laughs> <laughs> go to the library you know there's I, endless trust me it's still there yeah jeffrey man, the, the idea you can get like virtual library cards now and check out books online i didn't uh, know that i yeah did you know that i i could literally go to this public one here and uh there is a library card online do the whole thing in and out uh and rent them online which is crazy and audiobooks wow I didn't know that there is a good one right down the road from me um, that I haven't gotten a library card, but I, I want to just because again, yeah. it, there's nothing like, and it, maybe I'm just, you know, whatever. I, there's nothing like in my head personally. I like audiobooks. I love podcasts like this mm-hmm. and like other podcasts that I listen to, but nothing for me still beats having paper in your hand and, and reading. No, I personally, agree. I agree I, it's that. just personal p- a preference though. Me too. But Jeffrey, here's a, here's a good question. When was the last time you stepped foot in a library? Um, I can tell you. Do it was you like remember? Three, yeah, it's like three months ago. Oh, okay. Four months ago, maybe. Yeah, I... Really? Mm-hmm. What was what was the reason? Well, actually, no, it was probably a, a month ago. I, I went to Barnes & Noble. I mean, if we count that as a library, I think it is. I mean, it's, got, it's all books. Uh, it's not like the public so. library. That's more of a store. Library is fully like, yeah. you know... So you four months before a for a real library, a month ago for... Barnes and Noble. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I we tried going to the Nashville Public one downtown, and it was because of the ice. It was closed during open hours. That's the uh, one so I that went to. It was really upsetting. Really? Yeah, that's the one. Is it the white building, right? If I'm yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you like it? Yeah, dude, it's beautiful. I, yeah, see, I haven't gone, and that's why uh, it's cozy. Who's gonna bring me? It's cozy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that is awesome. But yeah. So against the background of the time of avid hunger for knowledge, right? Like I mentioned already kind of as a preface when this started to become the thing, right? If you're a Greek yeah. thinker like Plato, <laughs> knowledge is the thing. So, um, right. This kind of started there and Alexander at the time launched a global enterprise in 334 BCE, which he accomplished with essentially meteoric speed. Um, until his untimely death in 323 BCE, his aim throughout had not been restricted to just conquering the land. So it started from, um, you know, so like from, uh, it mentions in here, India and Macedonia, um, but it also been to explore them. So he used it as like a, a twofold, right? He would, I get to capture the city that the countries and I get to take their knowledge. <laughs> so right. um, he basically brought with him generals and scholars during these campaigns that would right. go report on the regions and that if they were unmapped, uncharted, um, and basically was the wow. start of a lot of this information dump. Um, yeah. So that was pretty interesting to me. I didn't know kind of how, again, how does something like this start? Obviously through conquest, it seems like <laughs> seems to be the, the right. method. Um, but thought that That's was interesting. interesting that conquest led to a great library i mean how else are you i mean i guess in the time like how like right now is different we can say it from a you know a 2020 rose colored glasses look back on history but at the time if you had your own little kingdom how are you going to get information like you mentioned you get messengers maybe but maybe you can do it peacefully but if you wanted to just like take their library i don't know their information i have no clue um, right. But essentially the reports that Alexander, um, had acquired, uh, 
basically that he survived after his death, the, the information he got survived after his death, and they motivated an unprecedented movement of scientific research and study of the earth, its natural, physical qualities, and its inhabitants. Um, the time was basically bursting with a new spirit that in, um, basically brought on the renaissance of human culture which is a big line to say <laughs> off the Very back small of this. Deal. Very yeah. small deal. Not, not a big thing at all. Exactly. Um, and it was in mm-hmm. that atmosphere that the great library and uh, basically saw the light of day in Alexandria. So the founding of the library is unquestionably connected with the name of uh, Demetrius Falerian, a member of the Peripatetic school and a former Athenian politician. Um, Mm. So I'm going to mention this. So essentially after his fall from power in Athens, um, Demetrius sought refuge at the court of King um, Ptolemy Sauter. Uh, Again, I'm going to butcher it. Yes. But he became the king's advisor at the time. So pretty toutful role. Um, And he soon took advantage of Demetrius's wide and versatile knowledge. And about 295 BCE, so before Alexander, right, he charged him with... um, the task of founding the library and basically acquiring, you know, he, he had this right-hand man who was knowledgeable and he was like, all right, put it, put, put your knowledge down. Let's gather up this knowledge. That's right. Put your knowledge to work. Yeah. Uh, and Show so us who you are smarty pants. Yeah. So that was kind of the big beginning. Um, and so the, the letter of Aristius um, of the second century BCE, which is like a, a record that we found about during this time, it reveals that the institution was conceived as a universal library. So again, the th- you know, when a library is, we, d- we didn't know again, we're fi- We have to piece it together a bit from, you know, being destroyed sure. and we're piecing together the stories and the thoughts of it, but we can directly link it to that thought from this letter, um, which is pretty cool. Again, it's not just us putting the label on the library as like, Oh, well they were doing this for like a universal, you know, whatever we think that this is what they were doing we can directly link it to a piece of information, which is cool. Uh, yeah, that this is what they wanted to do. This is what they wanted to accomplish. Yeah, and the, the same claim was reiterated more than once. So Arrhenius spoke of uh, Ptolemy, Ptolemy's desire to equip, and this is in quotes, his library with the writings of all men as far as they were worth serious attention. And that's end quote. Well, think of... Think of the think of the glory in that, right? Like, I could see someone being like, "I want to be the guy who started, you know, the greatest library in history, the greatest collection of uh, culture and information, you know, in the world." Yeah. Like, how, why would you not want to do that? He's definitely going to be remembered, like we're talking about him. So, um, right. And and undoubtedly, really, the the largest amount of the material. So I didn't know this either. Um, basically, that the largest amount of material is written in Greek. Um, in fact, basically, judging from the scholarly work produced in Alexandria, it seems that it seems likely that the whole corpus of Greek literature was amassed in the library. So think about that. Oh, the whole corpus of Greek literature was amassed in the library. That's what's basically presumed. Um, wow. So one of the major acquisitions for the library was um, the books of Aristotle. Again no shabby names mm-hmm. involved in this process. Nope. Um, all, all big, yeah, big names. Yeah. So concerning which there are two conflicting accounts here, um, according to Athenius, um, Philadelphus uh, purchased the collection for a large sum of money. 
um, whereas Strabo, another person reported that Aristotle's books passed on in succession through different hands until they latter were confiscated um, by in 86 BCE, who then carried them away to Rome. Um, but the two accounts perhaps deal with two different things, right? So Athenius may be referring to the collection of books that Aristotle had amassed at his school in Athens. So... Mm-hmm which Philadelphus was able to purchase when his former tutor Stratton was head of the, the library. Um, but essentially, again, it just, it kind of goes on to say, talk about how it, this housed some really heavy shit, <laughs> like some real, like, uh, depth. there was some real knowledge. Yeah. In this place. It wasn't like, just, there was some very important documents. Yeah. It wasn't just don't farm on these days. It was like, you know, Hey, here's, Aristotle's book collection of thoughts that he amassed and um, some really heavy stuff there. And I know, I know already mentioned it, but again, with them, um, it kind of goes into talk about the hunt for books became like a thing. Like it became a, a really big proponent of just like need. (laughs) So yeah. And to collect other people. Yeah. Like I'm sure that was fun. Not, not fun, but you know what I mean? Like it had to be, um, something heavily on their minds yeah. if, uh, going anywhere to try to add very important books to this collection because they wanted to be the greatest in the world. Yeah, and it was an avid hunt. Like like we already mentioned as a fun fact, right? They would resort to search every ship that sailed into the harbor of Alexandria like, um, yeah. and like take those books. So it wasn't something that was just, you know, kind of happened over time. Like there was some real uh, push for it, which is pretty cool. Um, it was really cool. And they also categorized it that way. I, I didn't know this either, but essentially like if they brought it from a, a ship, they, um, were designated like in their little categories of books in this in quotes from the ships. So like, Oh, they kind of like, if you were to go look, huh? I wonder what we picked up from the Harbor, like <laughs> within the last whatever amount of time they could go there right. and like, see, this is, this is how we, we grouped them together. <laughs> That's really so, cool. That, that was pretty cool. Um, that is really cool. There's another story uh, reported by Galen, which I already mentioned um, in his writings, the Hippocrates um, reveals how mm-hmm. Ptolemy the third managed to attain original texts of the great dramatic poets. Um, so, uh, Asilusius, um, <laughs> and some other names, but essentially <laughs> the precious text, precious text, were safeguarded in the Athenian state archives and weren't uh, allowed to be lent out. And so the king did persuade the governors of Athens to permit him to borrow them in order to have them copied. So um, the enormous sum of 15 talents of silver at the time was deposited in Athens as a pledge for their safe restitution. Um, The king, though, thereupon kept the originals and sent back the copies that that was pretty funny. Oh my God. Um, and he willingly forfeited so he basically the pledge. just paid for, yeah. Yeah. He paid for them outright. He willingly did it too, which is again, this, this thing had depth, man. This thing had drama. This oh thing God. had math. This thing had geography. <laughs> <sighs> That's crazy. Yeah. And but we're at the 30 minute mark already. Do you want to take a break and we'll, yeah. uh, we'll get back to it. Sure. Let's do it. All right. back yeah we're back thanks for listening to that ad in that break um it helps support the podcast and it supports our discord server which we've That's mentioned right 
Um, come join us on we Discord. We need to make an ad. We need to make an ad ourselves for our own Discord server. Done. <laughs> we can do that in two seconds. That would be we fun. We can do that. Yeah. Um, but back to the, the, the reason we're here, Library of Alexandria. Um, so I did just mention, right, the, the, willing full, the willingly forfeited uh, dramatic uh, poet books that were returned <laughs> to the Athenian yes. state archives. Um, what, a, what a dastardly thing that King did, you know, that belongs in a museum. And he, he got entranced, Jake. He got entranced with the the drama, the the po- the poetic words. You know, he got he got enthralled. I feel like so. I feel like if you were King Jeffrey at that time, that you would have done the same thing. A hundred percent. If I had the money, <laughs> I would build. If, like, uh, if, if we didn't have Google now, Jacob, this would be my only golden life. Create the next. Just collecting scrolls and stuff with like very famous people scrolls and like information books. Yep. Just be a yeah. be an information dump place, um, but basically it goes on to say right these are regular methods like the searching of the ships and the the pay for the the books that were in the Athenian archives and then send back the copies. <laughs> these methods sure. of collection were supplemented by the purchase from uh, of books from different places. So especially from Athens and Rhodes, um, which sustained the largest book markets at the time but occasionally mm-hmm. the library's collectors bought different versions of the same work so for example in the homeric text um, that came there's uh, basically from three different uh, like people who wrote the same thing so again just getting different versions of the same book just amassing a wealth of information and also other languages other than Greek so Egyptian had the largest section outside of Greek um, it said that to have encouraged Egyptian priests to accumulate records of their past tradition and heritage. So this is where it gets interesting as well. Yeah. Um, and to render them available for use by Greek scholars and men of letters. So who he basically would invite other people f- to live in Egypt, right? Um, best known for examples from each group were the Egyptian priest, uh, Manatheo, who had mm-hmm. good command of Greek and the Greek author, um, Hakitius of Abdera. So what was interesting to me in this uh, uh, little uh, research I did here about, um, right, with the Greek amassing of, not the Greeks, sorry, the Egyptian amassing of their history and um, their kind of folklore and real life like beliefs, that this is where we get a bulk of our information. I didn't know this until I read this, but as you know how we, we designate um, right, the the pharaohs and the the time we you know we cut we cut up the time frame of Egypt and their, um, you know the uh, I don't even know Dynasty One, Dynasty Two, that kind of thing. Sure, this is where it comes from. It's literally from the information we that they still, gave, we so still, they can keep a record of it. We still reference this and use this. That's how we built our information on their time frame. I didn't know this. That's insane. Um, Imagine all the lost like information. Dude. Like just lost of time. <laughs> I, it's a common theme we've mentioned maybe too much, but I can't help but keep going no, back to I'm no, sad. No, this is what this is kind of about. I mean, like this is, uh, you know, um, I'm sure you're going to tell me the real story. Uh, I know as from my knowledge that basically what I've always taught or <laughs> been learned is that it somehow got destroyed like in a fire and a major fire and disaster event. Some fire and a fire did got happen. destroyed. Yeah. That did so happen. That did happen. That did happen. The, the I, wor- sorry. From ahead. what 
No, no, you're good. Sorry. <laughs> From what I read, it was like a slow um, interest, like kind of dissipated out. That and did so happen. It took a lot longer. It wasn't like an instant boom. It all burned down. The whole thing gone. Lost the history. No, but it did find setbacks. Like the the fire that supposedly happened, not supposedly uh, th- that did happen, right? So yes. There's different. Uh, I guess there's theories of different ideas, but there's like group kind of agreement that um, it didn't burn down really majority of the books at all that it did mm. it did happen like there was a fire a big fire that happened but basically majority of the library was saved and it also goes into I'll touch on it here in a second but the like okay. the, that it was demolished as well like there's like but there also is the agreement too that it kind of almost felt like it was like a, a multitude of things it wasn't it was no one thing that just ended it it was like the slow decline along with these other things that happened that led to the destruction and really kind of, um, yeah, just destruction of it. So we can touch on that right. though. Um, here in a minute, actually, um, I'm going to get man, into that. This leads to the question, Jeffrey, how many, uh, Atlantean scrolls were in that library, Jeffrey? A lot. You know, Herodot- you, think so? you think all of them, you know, Herodotus, right? We mentioned this before, like the, his- the father head of fi- uh, figure of geography. We referenced him in that podcast because, um, yeah. he was one of the first ones to make a connection to, um, what was it? Was it the, the eye of Africa? Where, where I can't remember what it was off the top right. of my head. Yeah. The location. Was, yeah. He was, he was one of the proponents of where we get our information from. And you know how like we talk about Plato and then Plato references this person and this person references this person. Um, that's how it's built on. But Herodotus was like the main OG of a lot of this. So dude, I don't doubt that there was information in there on the Egyptian records, especially I think I'd be really interested to know. Oh yeah. Just like a full record of, who knows what was in there? Maybe, but then again, maybe there was records of how things were built, what time frame that actually happened, because they amassed a lot of their history and like folklore in there, and like not folklore to them, it was like you know their gods and their sure their beliefs, yeah, their belief system were in this library. Maybe it was so com- so much common knowledge that no one felt like they had to write it down themselves. So like when we talk about and reference other Greek people who, who visited and they, you know, there's one story of, again, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of Egypt. So stop me if I go too far. No, no, no. But there's one. Yeah, Shaffer, um, you thought this was going to be about Alexandria? <laughs> no. This is Atlantis 2 or Egypt yeah. 3. I don't know which one. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially, right, there's a, there's a record that um, one of these Greek uh geographers went to Egypt and found underground tunnels and there was underground um, basically cities underneath um, in Egypt and under these pyramids and so forth right and he's kind of one of the few people that we have records of that like says something along these lines maybe he's one of the only few people because you know it was such a common knowledge that this was an actual thing maybe at this point in time the people who actually studied it and knew the area understood that that's just what it was why would they need to write it down maybe why would they need to write a history of it you know like if that doesn't survive but they do and they didn't feel the need to mention that that doesn't mean that doesn't didn't exist you know what i mean am i I making sense definitely no definitely the things are so commonplace that like you know it'd be like trying to describe something very common now that happens like all the time yeah and like if uh, we understood you just don't think to write it down yeah you don't think to write it down because you think that's common knowledge no one needs that to be written 
um, for future use. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt a few diaries made the cut. <laughs> they're they're, they're interesting enough. Maybe the maybe there was some really interesting, you know, David and Goliath stories. Maybe there were some good war stories. That would have been pretty cool to yeah. kind of understand. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But a little bit more about it. So the association of the library with um, basically where scholars required a reliable source. Um, it helped the library to develop into a proper research center as well. So the location was close to the harbor and within the royal palace's grounds placed it under direct supervision of the kings. And so those circumstances aided in the rapid growth of the library's collection. And within half a century of its foundation, um, in around 2295 BCE, the collections of the Royal Library had exceeded the space allotted, like we already mentioned, to contain the accumulated books. And so it was found necessary to establish an offshoot that could house the surplus volumes. Um, And to that end, Ptolemy III, which we've mentioned quite a bit throughout here, um, mm-hmm. incorporated the branch library into the newly built, um, basically another building, which was situated at a distance from the royal quarter in the Egyptian district south of the city. And so the estimated total number of books in the library vary, but I want you to give a guess just for, you know, kicks and giggles. You want me? You want me just uh, to guess how many, how many, books how many there libraries were? do you think estimate? Like how many estimated books do you think were in this collection? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I'm just gonna say, uh, man, for the time, I'll say a hundred thousand. Yeah, you're you're pretty good. Uh, the earliest Am surviving, I? Am I close? <laughs> the earliest surviving figure from the third century BCE is reported as more than two hundred thousand. Which is okay. an insane so amount. a little bit more than what I guessed. But whereas the medieval text of John uh, Tzitzi mentions 42,000 um, in the inner library and then 400,000 books in the royal library, plus 90,000 unmixed books, all still higher estimate. Uh, so basically a still higher estimate of 700,000 was reported between the second and fourth centuries. So basically wow. people were just like, this is a lot of books. <laughs> I don't know how we, to count yeah, it. Yeah, we can't, I don't we can't know keep number. this all here. Yeah. And so Galen preserved the information that was recorded for each book. Um, it included the work's title, the author, um, the editor, as well as its place of origin. Like, this is some legit work, thought work here. Um, and whether the manuscript was mixed, which means containing more than one work, or unmixed, which means just a single text, um, it's also worth noting that a scribe's pay was rated according to the quality of writing and number of lines. So in an attempt right. to standardize, standardize costs and wages throughout the empire, um, they ranked the scribe's pay as follows. This is kind of fun. I thought I'd put it in here. But to a scribe yeah. for the best writing, 100 lines, 25 denarii. denarii. Um, for second quality writing, 100 lines, 20 denarii. To a notary for writing a petition of legal document, 10 so okay so what's what's the you know the transfer from u.s dollars to no clue do not ask me <laughs> no that clue. i do not know <laughs> I, I don't know what the quantity is you i just really said 100 don't. i was like okay yeah so i'm sure that's a lot yeah also another big piece here um we talked about the bible and where that where we get a lot of information so further a biblical bibliographical survey of contents of the library in every field of learning. A tremendous undertaking was entrusted to Greek poet and scholar um, Callimachus, who was known for his encyclopedia. Um, and the result was 
and this is the English word, which is tables, which has survived only in fragments. Um, but those remain remains attest to the following divisions of rhetoric, law, epic, tragedy, comedy, really how we categorize our libraries now, right? Like fantasy right. fiction, you know, <laughs> like all of those categories we use, they did the same history, medicine, mathematics, natural science, um, miscellaneous. And so I need it, to know like how many, how many stories was the, were these buildings and have, how buff did the uh, librarians have to be to climb up all those ladders to get to the top? Dude, I don't know. I wonder, you know, those kind of libraries you see that are on wheels, like just, I wonder how right. many, I just imagine it like beauty and the beast, you know, where you have like those rolling ladders everywhere. Yeah. That, that's probably yeah, that's, all over this place. Honestly. Um, yeah. Callimachus's work, basically became the model for future works of similar nature. Its influence can be traced to the Middle Ages, um, all the way to the brilliant 10th century um, Arabic counterpart, uh, the bookseller um, index, which has survived intact. So it was mainly because of the Library of Alexandria that the scholars were able to maintain scholarship at the highest level in almost all areas of learning. In appreciation of their achievements um, in the first century CE, uh, one of the big kings there expressed the gratitude felt by subsequent generations for the work of the predecessors in preserving the this direct quote memory of mankind. Hence, we must render to them indeed the greatest thanks because they did not let all go in jealous silence, provided the record and writing of their ideas in every kind. That's heavy really sigh. Heavy. heavy sigh. Um, <laughs> heavy yeah. sigh. Right, and we, we've talked about we can talk about this right. The end of this this library, this kind of wealth of knowledge, it's under, it's really provocative and controversial. It has been anyway um, for centuries. The main point of contention was whether or not the library or libraries, um, as two sites that we mentioned, even existed um, and survived. So until there's the, debate about that. At I guess there there has been at points in time. Um, and survived. They, there's thoughts that it could have it could have been around until the Arab, Arabian conquest of Alexandria in the seventh century. So all all the way up to the seventh century could be. Um, and in the twentieth, uh, basically, in the twenty first century, however, the topic has relatively cooled down as majority of scholars further believe that there is enough evidence to show that the destruction of the two libraries occurred at different times. So, um, again, another kind of cross you know not really matching up idea but it, I don't know that it really matters maybe it does um, but it's the, what we do know is that it ended and that this got destroyed and so the Royal Library was unfortunately also a casualty of war in 48 BCE Julius Caesar another big name that just is attached to this of course just somehow yeah became involved in a civil yeah. war in Egypt at the time between Cleopatra <laughs> And her brother, Tamalim, uh, Ptolemy, uh, the something number, uh, higher than third. <laughs> Caesar <laughs> sided with Cleopatra at the time. I mean, who's not going to side with Cleopatra, by the way? Um, Man, and he, these are heavy hitters. Yeah, heavy hitters. And it was soon besieged by the uh, her brother and the forces by land and sea in the Great Harbor. He realized that his only chance lay in setting fire to the enemy fleet. And it was by that drastic measure that he managed to gain the upper hand. Yet, he remarkably is silent regarding the extent of the destruction caused by the fire in the city itself. 
So it sounds like Julius Caesar set fire to his city to destroy his enemies, and、mm. could have destroyed part of the library.、Um, right. Some very Game of Thrones, Cersei level,、um, you know, moves. Definitely, definitely. But okay, don't you think that would have been way smarter to have like a, you know, obviously like it split up in separate buildings just in case emergencies happen. Like to have, like. How protected that building has to be when you try to collect all the world's culture and knowledge and everything you guys can gather. I'm not gonna lie,、place. Jacob. I'm not gonna lie. You know a scene that comes back to me every time when I mention、What? this word <laughs> is、uh, the national treasure. When they go to the、yeah. end, <laughs> I I almost mentioned national treasure like near the beginning of this whole podcast. Well, like, I, there's part of me that hopes that. Quite a few of these documents made it out and got snuck away, or you know, someone's、yeah. private collection is still out there. I still hope for that, honestly. That it just lives underneath a church somewhere. Maybe it's yeah. <laughs> in maybe like a, it's in the Vatican. Who knows, man? Maybe they got like racks and racks of just stuff that was all the way from Alexandria. That'd be pretty. It's in the restricted section of、uh, the U.S.、Uh, library. You yeah, know? and there, we keep it in a. Was a President Book of Secrets? Is? Yeah. <laughs> Which exists? The, oh my god! I gotta, exists, do, I gotta do a podcast on that. You know that exists, right? That is a real thing. Oh, I know it does. I、um, know. Yeah. So that would have been in this Library of Alexandria for sure.、Um, but essentially,、wow. uh, the Caesar was forced to repel the danger by using fire, which spread from the dockyards and destroyed the Great Library. Right? That's kind of quoted. But、um, again, it's the. Debated whether that destroyed most or even if any of the main sort, like big chunks of books,、um, the da- daughter library protected by the the、um, the church right at the time, the kind of like temple that it was built within, subsisted、right. up until the fourth century、um, as long as paganism survived, basically. But when Christianity became the one and only religion, so this is what makes me think、um, this is in the Vatican somewhere, maybe in the. The depths of the history、yeah. books.、Um, <laughs> basically,、somewhere. when Christianity became the one and only religion acknowledged throughout the empire, Emperor、uh, Theodosius the first and his zeal to wipe out all、um, rem- remnants of paganism issued a decree in 391, sanctioning the demolition of temples in Alexandria that were, you know, pagan temples. And so,、right. empowered by the imperial decree. Um, basically, a bishop of Alexandria, a Christian bishop of Alexandria, led an attack on the temple, and he himself gave the first blow to the cult statue of Serapis.、Um, and his frenzied followers ran amok in the temple, destroying and plundering. When the destruction was complete,、um, Theophilus ordered a church to be built on the site. So, in my mind, that means they stole it. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been destroyed, maybe. Out there. But like, if if there are any halfway smart people were involved in that、um, destroy paganism idea, and they built a church on it, it's probably my thought would be. Here's my conspiracy here. Complete、okay. conjecture would be going. Well, we can't move these books. We want to keep them for ourselves. Just destroy the temple and let's build a new one on top. You know, like yeah, like that would be the、build、most common no sense. That would be the most common sense thing. Keep, maybe it all got destroyed, and they can say, "Oh, it got destroyed," but now we have the information and can divvy it up because information was power. You know, if you're, oh yeah, you're organizing this kind of like religion, like having the information of the past and the future, you're kind of in control of what can be said, what can't, 
you're in control. So, and who knows what's my, in that library that you can use for your personal gain that other people don't know. That's my conjecture, Jacob. Again, right. I feel like you're on the same page there with me, but you know, <laughs> yes. for those out there who aren't, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> it's just, uh, what you're telling me is we need to go on a search for national treasure. That's what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. But here's yes. the thing. There's also, there's also eyewitnesses that supposedly testify to the fact that the devastation was really irreparable or, or really just extensive. Um, one claims that the temple was destroyed to its foundations. Another witness uh, mentions um, that basically the guy, the priest and his followers brought destruction on the temple and made war on its contents. Only the mm-hmm. foundations they could not take away because of the magnitude of its blocks, which they were unable to remove. So mm. I don't know, you know, I, I, who knows? Man, what, what a waste. It very like, again, that, that seems to be a theme though. We've talked about this so many times and it can be a common theme, but a waste that's done in the name of something and an idea, a thought, uh, a God, like there's, there's always something that someone does something horrific that we wouldn't be here where we are today without those course of actions happening. But still I can't help but think of what if that never happened? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Some of the lost time, some of the stuff that could have taught us yeah. uh, faster where we, where we would be right now. Yeah, exactly. Think we'd be have flying cars and <laughs> I think we might, already? I think we might. So, um, that's, there's some conjectures. There's some more stories out there that are kind of, again, maybe negate right. or kind of like counteract some when they ended and could, like you already mentioned, right. Just the kind of general disinterest over time after keeping something up like that for so long kind of became as maybe a staple and loss of interest plus random like conquer conquests happen and just kind of falls off and gets destroyed. Who knows? Um, but that's, I wanted to talk about it mainly because I thought there was so much interest, like you said, big hitters involved names that you recognize throughout history. Great minds are connected to this place and it makes you go, wow, what if, that continued on for another 200 years, 300 years, 500 years, right? Yeah, it definitely could have changed things. And I knew this would be a subject that you're very interested in just because you're deeply in, like, you love, like, philosophy and Free philosophers, famous philosophers. Yeah. And you know that this was, like, a congregating place for all those great minds. I mean, why wouldn't you? And their works. All the world's knowledge. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so it makes me think about, again, like we have, we have the books of Aristotle and we have writings of Plato and we have these things, but who knows, man, who knows if like missing additions, who knows what kind of variations of, of a, a line in a book that we interpret now as like to give us proof of something. Like, I just feel like there's so much that could be, uh, changed or, or misinterpreted that could be clarified and it just makes me sad. So I'm not trying yeah, to be a downer, definitely. but it makes me go, dang. <laughs> this also connects to your, your, uh, your theory that there's a, like a higher civilization at the time. I mean, who knows if all that was wiped out? Who knows if that all burned to the ground with it? Yeah. You know, the history of Egyptians, right? Cause that's, again, I won't touch on it too heavy, but there, there's a main thought that could be that some of the information on the, like, cause we know the history of the Egyptians, right? Like we, we trace back to this information dump from Alexandria that we supposedly know the history of their culture and like kind of how their dynasties worked and Pharaoh names and all that, that maybe there was another book that explained, you know, they, their history from the first dynasty was saying, 
you know, that they got their information from this person, or maybe there's figureheads that, you know, were brought up that we don't know about now that could have clarified. And I'm always a, a sucker for the unknowns, but it could, <laughs> it could just be, that's what it is. So, um, Sure. I, I, I do. will never know, which is really sad. I'm in love with the mystery, though, even though I know I won't figure yeah, it out. exactly. I'm in love with the mystery. So that's all I got yeah, for you, Jake. Well, exactly. Well, man, I, this was really good. I enjoyed this a lot. See, I, I initially always thought it just it just burned down, and then I did a little bit of research myself right before I hopped on uh, to hear about that. And uh, it's very funny how the things that you, you think you know, like those big moments like that, um, that you really don't like you just look it up and it's like, Oh, so it definitely lasted a long time and it didn't just end overnight. Yeah. But, uh, this, that's why this is very entertaining and very interesting to think about like what ifs and what could have been. Yep. I, I, I thought so as well. Um, and I hope you listening got something out of it. Um, if there's anything else you guys have information on this or thoughts or ideas or, uh, just want to have a conversation, hit up the discord um, it's going to be under casual history, but find the link on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we're going to try to be a lot more active on it once we start getting some little group of people on there. Um, start posting yeah. some cool stuff, and um, yeah, just keep keep in the loop. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And also, we have uh, our Twitter and Instagram at Casual X History for any of those too for extra information and extra um, resources after this. Uh, so you can like learn along with us. So, uh, yeah, reach out. Yep. That's it. Well, that's all we got for today. Um, next week is going to be Jacob. We're going to try to get back on the schedule and um, keep this thing going. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you next week.